Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with your co-host, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and his wife, Jeannie. Michael and Jeannie share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. They offer tools and support five days a week. They will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love. In Aramaic, Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.whyagain.com. And now your co-host, the forgiveness doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. To the brightness within you and the truth that is rooted within me. Hi and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the forgiveness doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host, along with Dr. Tim Hayes, and we welcome you to the show. Uh, it's good to be back. I've been gone for a few days. Uh, today is Wednesday, September 30th, 2015. Tomorrow's first day of October. Wow, time sure is flying by. Our calling number is 646-200-4169. Press 1, and that puts you in queue to talk to us, and we would love to hear your comments and your questions, because then that makes this your show. Welcome, Michael. Well, thank you, dear heart. And uh, you know, many people ask who I am, and I'm I'm Jeannie's husband. So I get to do this show with her. What a blessing! We just got back from uh, Monroe, Louisiana. Had an awesome journey down there, and uh, got to do a, a little. Updated anniversary celebration in Hot Springs, Arkansas, on our way back here. We spent a day there just getting a few errands done, a little business taken care of, and having some playtime. So we are back at Heartland and uh, ready. Our first arrival for the weekend will be uh, coming in tomorrow. And then Terry and Susan. Susan, if you're on, I absolutely love the idea of renaming our uh, our worksheet. A wake-up sheet it is so on track. It is just exactly the word, exactly the vibration I've been looking for for years. So thank you for tuning into it and going to the guidance system that gives you that piece of the puzzle. And and thank you to so many people over the years who've made those kinds of contributions to this work, who've, who've tapped into their source and uh, come forward with just genius input that has helped to build and grow this work to uh, a state of refinement that we can literally hand it to any even partially willing person on the planet, someone who's willing to be, if they'll start to entertain being responsible for what's going on in their lives and in their world, that they can take these tools and in a very short period of time, turn around rage, guilt, grief, suicide in no time flat. It's just so thank you to everyone who's contributed over the years. If you've got a copy of my book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? I did my best to acknowledge everyone who had contributed to the work back at that point, and I don't even know how many names are in that list, probably three or four hundred. And uh, I don't know how I'm going to update when I do the rewrite. It's going to take me weeks just to update the uh, the acknowledgments. So, so many people have just given us pieces of the puzzle like uh, like you did yesterday, uh, Susan, and it's uh, fabulous. So our project is out of taking the principles of first century Aramaic forgiveness, refining an understanding of how to use that tool and all the tools that go hand in hand with it and then making it available to every mind, heart, and being on planet Earth. Our definition of forgiveness has nothing to do with the the world's game of how 
I'm supposed to let you off the hook because, of course, it's your fault that I'm feeling what I'm feeling. I'm supposed to let you off the hook for what I'm feeling, though. And, of course, if I let you and Charlie and Harry and Bill and Mary and Hortense off the hook for what's going on inside of me, I haven't done one thing to acknowledge, assess, or change what's happening inside of me. And it's not until I take responsibility for what's going on inside of me and I begin to remove what never belonged. And as I remove what never belonged, I get free. So forgiveness is a tool with which you go inside yourself. You know, if you're looking at your child with crossed eyes and a tone in your voice, you have a problem. Your child doesn't have a problem. You have a problem. You say, but my child did this. It's like, okay, so your child did that. Your response is your problem. You look at your spouse with crossed eyes and say, they have a problem. Excuse me. You have a problem. Your problem is your crossed eyes, your hostility, your fear. The fact that your physiology designed for love is able to produce anger, fear, rage, guilt, grief, and pain is your problem. The whole world does is it stands around and looks at everybody else and tells everybody else how they have a problem. And, of course, my favorite question in that context is if they're the one with the problem, why are you the one with the pain? Something about that doesn't make sense. If they're the one with the problem, obviously they'd be the one with the pain. And, yes, of course, in most situations where someone has pain, the person they're interacting with also has a problem. But it's so easy to focus on their problem rather than keep coming back inside yourself and literally getting to the point. And here's, here's the ideal circumstance we're aiming for with this work. That no matter what happens in your life, you stand connected to a space of love. And if a circumstance occurs and all of a sudden you know what's wrong with them and what they did and how they should have done it and how they could do it better and you could do it better and you can tell them how they should do it better, you have a problem. Do they have one? Well, maybe and maybe not. But strictly speaking, their problem is none of your business. If you're in some form of hostility or fear, your business is restoring yourself to human life cleaning up your hostility and fear and becoming free of it. So that's what we're here to support. That's our project together. And we invite you, if this work is meaningful to you, to take it to somebody else, to share it with someone. And yes, sometimes when you start to share it, some people are going to look at you cross-eyed and go, you are crazy. I'm responsible for what's happening in my life. Are you nuts? Present the idea and watch what happens. It's not your responsibility to have them accept the idea. Just present it. And I've seen it take 10 years for somebody to come back, scratching their head and saying, say what? What did you say? What was that you were trying to tell me? I noticed since you told me that 10 years ago, I've been through it 87 different times with 42 different people, and here I am back in the same boat. Guess what? If you don't take responsibility and don't do your work, 10 years from now, you're going to be in the same boat as you're in today. 20 years from now, if you don't change the boat you're in, you're going to be in the same boat. If you have hostility or fear, you know, that that old saying, you know, if they keep getting your goat, you get rid of your goat. You get rid of your capacity for hostility or fear, but the technology isn't available on planet Earth for how to do that, except in one place that I know of, the specific exact step-by-step. Here's how to do it. There are lots of stories about it. There are lots of people who've, who've tripped across it and done it, but a systematic daily practice that will guarantee that you'll walk through those things as far as I know, isn't available. And when you take that forgiveness process that was developed 2,000 years ago, here's what you'll do. The man named Yeshua said, you must forgive from your heart the wrongs of your brother. No, that wasn't a bleeding heart statement. 
he was saying, you must go inside yourself and remove your capacity for hostility or fear. That's your work. That's your project. He knew exactly how to do it, and I, for one, feel so blessed that I got to play with his original Aramaic words and got to a point of understanding, ah, this is what he meant, and this is how it's done. Now, lest somebody think I made it up, no, I, I wish I had the genius to have understood what he understood, to have handed us this forgiveness tool. Not even a scratch on the surface of that one for me. But what I did have the blessing of doing was taking his first century Aramaic words and working with them in the laboratory, the classroom, and working with it and working with it and working with it and working with it. I think last week we uh, we had a a, uh, a piece that was presented that says if you spend, I think it was 10,000 hours, you become an expert at something. Well, I should be an expert by now. I've been doing that particular piece for over 35 years, but it really is only the last five or six years that I've really started to understand what he was talking about and how the, the, the how to do it, I understood 35 years ago. It was just real simple and really clear. And it worked, so I taught it, but I didn't know how or why it worked. If you want to understand how or why the mind works and how forgiveness works, as it was taught in its original Aramaic context, we invite you to go to our website, www.whyagain.org. If you scroll down the page a little bit, you'll see a nice big red and white bullseye. To the right of the bullseye, there's a link. That link will walk you through an understanding, a very concise and precise understanding of 35 years of doing this work and understanding how and why the forgiveness process works. It's the most amazing thing you'll ever see. You know, we have this outer space thing, people going to space, and now they found water on Mars, and maybe there's life, and then, and then, and then, but if you go home to someone and you lay in bed beside them in rage, what the hell good is it? If you look at your child and you don't have a decent word to say to them or about them. We did a workshop this weekend. And, and some of the things that, that people, good religious homes, were told about themselves, they're just insane and what good does it do you to be able to go to the moon or go to Mars or 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 have a billion dollars in the bank if you can't hold a space of love in your heart for your children where does that leave you what does all that accomplishment that the world measures us by mean I'd offer nothing and so Go to the website, watch that uh, video, PowerPoint video, and thanks to Bill Costantino for putting it together. And then if you back out of there, go back to the bullseye, click on the bullseye, you'll have a whole series of instructions on how to forgive, how to remove whatever belonged within you. It's awesome. We appreciate the fact that you're here joining us in understanding how to apply it. So, Jeannie, how do we have Dr. Tim with us today? Well, he was on earlier, and then he's dropped off, so I don't know if he had a client and he had to leave or or what. So he okay. is not with us right at the moment. Nobody has their hand up, and there are no questions in the chat room. So. Well, do you have anything to share from the uh, the weekend that we just did down in Monroe? Um, well, I would just say that, you know, at first it seemed like there was some resistance uh, that, you know, this was new and this was different and and almost uh, felt like some were apologizing for whatever it is that we might do ahead of time. But then at the end of it, I think one of the, the sweetest, you know, there was a lot of busyness and a lot of, um, you know, socializing and getting along, and which is part of what they do is is to to get together to fellowship. 
And but at the end, when we were doing the breath work, and and there was one gentleman, I went over to see. You know, people were starting to move and wake up, and I went over to see how this gentleman's partner was doing. He was still in still point, and uh, he looked at me and he goes, "This is amazing." Of course, he was whispering, and he said, "Everybody is in the room, and we are all together." And the energy of it is, you know, that we're we're all united on the same path, and nobody is saying a word. And I just thought that was really powerful that he got it that strongly. And I really felt like the majority of them did get it. I still felt like there was some resistance from some, but it's just, um, I, don't, I don't know. I don't have an explanation for that one, but uh, I felt like it, overall it was very successful and very well accepted. And uh, just kind of funny how we were kept a surprise. Nobody knew who was going to be speaking about what. But uh, anyway, somebody just said, could you say more about the pastor's convention that you went to? You you got that comment in the chat room? Yes. Huh. Well, Jeannie just kind of uh, gave you a synopsis of it. The... Uh, the resistance seemed to be that we came in with a different language than what people were used to. And rather than study, you know, one of the things of course that I teach is a course in miracles and the course in miracles. One of the first things I do is I get up in front of the room and if I've got, I usually work with the four bay whiteboard and I'll write in letters as large as I can. Uh, the size of the board is don't study a course in miracles. And most people are like, well, wait a minute, you're here presenting to a course in miracles study group. And I said, then stop studying it. You can put all the words in your head that you want. It won't transform your heart until you transform your heart. And so the next thing after I erase don't study a course in miracles is learn forgiveness. We could say exactly the same thing about the Bible. There are people there filling their heads with all kinds of words and trying to live up to words and repeating words and memorizing verses and chapters and blah, 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 blah. But it doesn't transform their hearts. They still turn to their children in that critical voice and put them down and tell them how worth, worthless they are and how they're wrong and give them derogatory correction after derogatory correction about love. But if it's not living in your heart, then of what use? You know, there's a piece that uh, that Paul had really powerfully. He says, "If I do, if I give my body to be burned, but I have not love, what use is it? If I give everything I have to the poor and I have not love, if I haven't achieved the activity of human life in me, what use is it?" And so all these head games that people play, trying to study a book rather than apply the tools of the book and transforming their own heart, it's all for naught. It's all for naught. That's why we see so much violence in the world. I, I did at one point because there was a conversation about, well, this is different, you know, I did a little looking up on the internet, and, and there are 33,000 different groups of people with different beliefs that call themselves Christian. Each one believing that they have the theology that saves. My offering is if you're still capable of words based in hostility or fear, you just wasted your time. Our focus here is, I'm not going to try to tell you I know the truth. I don't. But I've got some tools that will help you to have a direct experience of it. That's what will really transform your life. That's what will really serve you. And so as we came together, you know, there wasn't much sharing among the group of of personal type uh, issues or experiences. And the response was kind of like, well, we don't do that. And then after we did still point, Virtually everybody shared, except those who were still in their heads about, you know, praise God rather than the real work of Yeshua. And they 
concerned was very powerful. Very powerful. There was one young woman who who shared that at one time in her life she'd overdosed on drugs and she found herself locked inside of her own mind with all of this pain and rage. And I mean, her, her words were, I was in hell. And she looked outside of her mind and in her, her awareness there was Yeshua sitting there. And, and she said, get me out of here, get me out of here. And Yeshua said, I didn't put you there. And just sad as a space of love. It's one of the most powerful gifts you can give somebody to just sit in that space as that space of love for them. And when we do the still point process, we pair people up in a partnership and and ask each person to really, truly, fully be there. It's amazing how many people in their whole lives have never had somebody just there holding the space of love for them for one simple hour. Very powerful gift to give, very powerful gift to receive. And it just opens such a sweet space. And so the sweetness of the sharing that took place. And there's some pretty heavy duty, I mean, some of the heavy, most heavy duty stuff you could imagine. And rather than, you know, nicey niceness on top of it, it was like, okay, here's what I brought. Here's what came for me. Here's what I'm working through. And then for everybody to just really be there is that space for the real gritty issues that people carry around with them. Pretty sweet and pretty powerful. So our calling number is 646-200-4169. We would love to hear your comments or your questions. I talked to Stuart this morning, and he was just leaving Denver, so he's going to get in here sometime tomorrow. So hold Stuart in travel blessings. and uh, He's coming to be on the support team for a time period. And then talk to uh, Susan and, uh, and Terry Bowling. And they'll be here Friday, you know, probably Friday noon or so. They're going to be here for the weekend and working together to help to revitalize what's happening at Heartland. So hold travel blessings for them. And Scott will be coming in uh, sometime Friday. So we'll have a, a really sweet gathering this weekend. And if you'd like to join us, there's space to do that. Get in touch with us and see if that's something that's appropriate for you. And, and, you know, join us for the weekend or, you know, a couple of years if you'd like. We're here to create a space for people to deepen their experience of the tools and bring those tools forward into expression in their worlds. So 646-200-4169 is our call-in number. Jeannie, anybody uh, with a question in the chat room? or with a hand up in the phone queue. No, there's nothing. Everybody's really quiet today, so hopefully they'll well, start popping out. Somebody. Yeah. And we're hoping, um, Mark was asking that question in the chat room, we're hoping that we'll get some invitations, you know, since it is pastors of other churches. And, I mean, they were from all over. They were from Texas and Louisiana and Chicago. And uh, so we're hoping that, you know, that'll also open the door for us to get into some other churches as well, some different ones than what we've been to in the past. Yes. Most definitely. Well, with the introduction that I did, inviting you to look at and be 100% responsible for what happens in your mind and in your body, and the result that that produces, if I'd have been in your city presenting those ideas and I walked down off the platform, you'd walk over to me and have a question. I know from experience, virtually everybody in the room would have a question. Of course, they would say, I just have a quick question. Yes, sweetie? Okay, we do have a question, but Dr. Tim is also with us now, too. Oh, well, let's say hello to Dr. Tim, and then we'll get with our question. How are you, young man? I'm doing quite well, thank you. I was here for the first five minutes of the intro, and then I had to take a, a call. Um, so I don't know everything you were talking about in the intro. I did want to just say that we had our support group last night. and uh, Awesome. We had uh, 12 people and two brand new people who've never been exposed to the work before. And so we watched the second half of the getting the stress you need video and uh 
in that, there's a, a visualization that you do related to canceling past goals. And one of the things I like to experience, and so this is why I do that exercise almost every time it comes up, I stay there and get quiet and be present and go through the experience. And one of the reasons is because practically every time I've done it, I've gotten different results. Different things have popped up in my awareness as you say, cancel this goal and then cancel that goal. And and last night I had a whole different set of goals related to my father pop into my awareness. So that was quite interesting. And then we did the the rest of the lecture and and then um, had a discussion. And, of course, the discussion is always interesting when there are some brand-new people there because they've got little or no concept of this work. They've never been exposed to it before, so the questions are of a slightly different nature and sometimes uh, quite rich because it, it helps all of us who've been around the work for a long time experience it through fresh eyes and ears. And so we had some nice discussion, and then it was time to do a worksheet, and nobody else really wanted to do a worksheet, so I did a worksheet. And it had had to do with the um, uh, a set of interactions over the weekend where I had a lot of family exposure time, and I got to be with both of my sons. And one of my sons is ex- exhibiting some uh, traits and characteristics that when I see them, they remind me of my ex-wife's father, his grandfather on his mother's side. And usually stirs up uh, fear or irritation in me. And so when I started the worksheet, I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do it on, but I tapped into the emotion of sadness and I put that up there. And then the thought was that there was this interaction in which my interpretation of what my son was doing was that he was basically blind to his own issues and that that was going to cause problems for him in the future. And so that second part of it was my thought that was causing my sadness, that because my son doesn't look at his own issues, it's going to cause a lot of problems for him in the future. And then we went and I progressed through the worksheet, reading it in greater detail than I would in some cases because there are people there who haven't seen the worksheet at all. And as I constructed the goal, the goal was simply for my son to see his issues clearly and own them and work on them, work on his own issues. So that was the goal. And when I cleared that up and then canceled the goal and went inside and asked to be shown the hidden part of my own mind and released the need to be right and released the need for anybody or anything else to change and asked to be shown the hidden part of my own mind that was actually creating my sadness, I got a vivid image of one of the goals that I had set for my father that had come up in the previous exercise. And what happened was that when I was a senior in college, and coming home at the end of my senior year with a kind of a life crisis and a decision about where to go next, I went to talk to my father who had been this, you know, he he was one of the smartest people I ever knew. He was a, a wonderful counselor in his own right for people throughout his life and his business career. Lots of people came to him for advice. And I went home to tap into the source, you know, the great and powerful dad who's going to know how to answer this, And he was basically not there. He was in the middle of a manic episode. He was completely unable to respond the way he had my entire life up to that point. And it was like the pod people had come and taken my dad and left this empty shell. And one of the goals or a series of goals I was canceling during the the visualization in, in the video was for my dad to be there for me, for him to have good advice, for him to be supportive, for him to help me with my direction in life. Etc. The other thing I saw in 
this release during the worksheet was a series of images of me trying to be that for my sons when they were in middle school. Every time we would have a dinner around the, you know, the family table, and my experience of it was every time the boys would have some kind of a pushback against parental rules and house rules, and I would try to have a discussion with them about it, my wife would not be able to handle that and say, why do we always have to argue and get up and leave the table? Thereby shutting down any discussion or any of the mentoring that I had, you know, I had in my mind I would be doing as the perfect dad, etc. So I saw both of these things in the release and the worksheet process and saw I have a whole series of worksheets to do on both those sets of issues. Canceling the goal about how my father wasn't able to be there for me at a time when I thought I desperately needed him and canceling all the goals I had about how I wanted to be a different or more perfect father to my sons. So at the end of that, I felt more calm, and we explained through the process how the shifts that happen are able to happen mostly because I was able to tap into some very loving images of my sons, both of them, in step four in the worksheet process where we take a moment and we breathe and we don't just, you know, recommit to love and talk about the rose and the butterfly story. We actually take a moment to do, you know, a minute or two of visualization and getting that energy rolling in our heart space before we move on to step five. And we got a chance to talk about how that's the energy that makes the shift. That's the energy that does the integration or some would call the healing when something unlike love comes up and we breathe through that and we are able to then move forward to cancel the goal while holding love conscious active and present flipping back and forth between the upset and the love and it ended up stirring up stuff for a lot of people it ended up being a lovely once again a fabulous group setting loving people willing to do their own work and, and again, I'm just full of gratitude for having this venue and this set of tools to be able to share with people. So that was our group experience last night. Awesome. Awesome. And, you know, as you talk about that, Tim, that, that that's the real key to the whole process. And the invitation, of course, with this work is to invite people into that as a practice, that it's something you do every day. You know, when somebody does a Y workshop, we suggest they do five worksheets a day for at least 40 days and, and enter into that practice. And as you work with that practice, remember, you know, last year uh, Michael Coffin came to Heartland and Michael summoned the military background, pretty heavy-duty conversations and heavy-duty energy and, uh, you know, a Navy SEAL, but uh, really into that whole war thing. And he'd been in this work for about five years. And last summer when he was here, he went through a couple of uh, pretty heavy-duty childhood issues, really, you know, intense childhood issues. And then he had a still point session. So this is about five years of practice. And Michael probably didn't say, after that still point, probably didn't say four words for three days. He was just in, and, and it's like, you know, there comes a point, and I can remember when in my practice I dropped into that, and I was in that for about three days. I actually had a class. You know, this happened after. I had two classes in, in a row. I had one in uh, Delray Beach and one in Fort Lauderdale, and out of the Delray Beach class, and I'd been practicing this for a long time at that point, I went home and I just had this full-blown light experience, and the next night, I went to teach my regular class. It's the only time in all these years I've ever done anything like this. But I got up and started to talk about it. And I was still so in the experience and so overwhelmed by it that I just broke down in tears and said, I, I apologize, folks. I'm going to cancel the class tonight and leave. And I had to leave. And, you know, I can relate to Michael. And it was just like nothing on the outside is of interest. There's no conversation that 
has any attraction whatsoever. Everything is just a distraction from that connected space. And so as you work with these tools and as you take them into your life and into practice, you know, there will come times where you'll have those kinds of experiences that just become those peak moments. And I know for me, I always look back to that, you know, there was one particular time when that happened and it was just such an awesome opening that I don't live there yet. And people say, well, gee, Michael, that was 30 years ago. You haven't achieved it yet. That's right. And I get to move steps and steps and steps closer every time I do another piece of work. And it's an amazing, amazing place to uh, to connect into and then to live from. And so if you'll take the tools... You know, we're not saying you're going to get a rose garden tomorrow, but the tools will work and you'll see such changes and you'll get such amazing openings that your whole life will become about producing that opening and living there. So that's what we're here to support. That's what we want to hold the space of for you and, of course, for ourselves. And to take it forward, and Dr. Tim, thank you for taking it forward on two support groups a week and uh, all the people that you touch with that deepening, deepening, deepening of their process. It's absolutely awesome. Michael? Yes, Wendy? A couple things. Angela had just sent uh, a text to me saying that uh, she had come across a saying in The Course in Miracles that nobody wants my good advice. (laughs) anyway the um, non-being mind really isn't too interested in the conversation but you know there there comes a point where people get tired and sick of being sick and tired and they realize the insanity they're living in and then all of a sudden another conversation becomes of interest and that's, that's the conversation we're here to create and to carry on to engage and share with others let's take our caller it's area code 417. Cool. You are on the air. Well, hello there. This is Nanda from Missouri. Hey. Hey, young lady. Nice Hi. to hear your voice. Welcome. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And welcome back, Jeannie. It was uh, great to have Michelle on board, and nice to have you back. Thank um, you. So I'm calling uh, to give a mini report about our support group here at Heartland last night. And then to ask a question. Um, Great. So, yeah, our support group was completely dedicated to getting our final uh, preparation for the two gentlemen who are coming to be on the long-term support group, our support staff uh, at Heartland. And so uh, we discussed the hows and the whys and the whens, and, and that was, I'm very excited, very excited about it being able to be part of that. Um, so that's the mini report. Um, my question um, is about, hmm, not sure how to ask it. Um, I know that you teach, and I certainly believe, and have seen it over and over again through the work that I've done using the wake-up sheet. Is that what it is now? That's it. That wake up sheet. Okay. Um, uh, that the person or event or situation that has triggered us, and let's use person right now as an example, um, is merely a trigger and not the source of the emotion that we're feeling. But if we're feeling anger right. or whatever, that that was already within us. And so my question is about going back, and and it always seems to take me back um, to an earlier situation with someone or some event, uh, but I'll stick to a person right now. Um, And so um, what I'm wondering is when we come in, we are complete love. 
we, um, I'm guessing, do not have, and I want to check this with you, we do not have anger within us at that time. We are just love. Is that right? Well, my my take would be, you know, and, and of course the question that Jeannie asks when she opens the Y workshop is, how many have ever held a newborn? If you hold a newborn and you tap into the essence of that newborn, you're tapping into the human being apart from the body. If you were to intuit and be able to step into the genes of that little form, you would find every strength and ability and every infirmity and insanity that ever went into the bloodline but was never re- resolved. Okay. Yeah. So so it's all there, but it seems that at birth with a child, and, and I, I say this from my experience of getting to be at the birth and catch my children when they were born, that, you know, my take is that the being, the soul, enters the form at birth because there is such a uh, an awesome energy that happens in that first moment of the breath entering the body, that first moment of life. And I'm just saying that from direct experience for me. And so when that being, my take would be, my understanding would be that when that being enters that form, the person who's holding the being experiences that being experiences who they are as that awesome presence of love. It doesn't mean the other isn't there, but the other has not yet moved into activity, has not been resonated. Although I've I've seen people, I've worked with people who've gone back and remembered in utero experiences that carried some pretty heavy-duty stuff. But it seems that at the moment where the being comes in, it is not yet identified with anything in the form. And mm-hmm. so the, I, th- I think we get to experience them in, in great purity. And then the child's life starts to unfold. And, you know, if they come from a genetic history, let's say, of, of anger, and every time that the, the infantile demands of the parent are not being met, the parent turns to the child in anger, with a voice tone or a look or a, a slap, then what happens is that resonates the the same content in the child that is in the parent, which is why usually the power person is a parent. And when that energy starts to move, if the child becomes identified with it, you know, it's kind of the reverse of that line in scripture that says, as he becomes more, I become less. What I hear that is when when I live in the non-being space, when I live in a false identity, I've been lied, a case of gross misidentification. We've been taught that we're these bodies filled with hostility, fear, grief, and a little love. And when I identify with that, then in expression, I become that. And I there, there comes a point where one tends because of the intensity of the hostility and fear in the in the world, in the family system, and within one's own genes, one becomes identified with that hostility or fear, and, and it seems to become their full expression, while the, the, the active presence of love seems to disappear. My take is the active presence of love is always there. It's just not what's primarily active as it is in the newborn. And then as one does their work, then that statement, the reverse of of that, as the non-being mind becomes more, being becomes less, now as one taps into one's work, as I do my work and I free myself, I forgive the hostility or fear-based content, then less and less I become that non-being self in expression and I become more and more the truth of who I am, of who I'm designed to be. So the others there is just not active, would be my take. Does that make sense? Did I lose you, Magda? I'm sorry? Jeannie, can you hear me? Uh, can you hear me? 
Oh, there you go. You're back. I, I think I lost you for a moment. Mute, mute challenge there for a minute. I lost you again, Monica. I heard you the whole time, Michael. You're on. Okay. Good, good. Thank you. So, Monica, I, I heard you come in and then you disappeared again. Let's try this. Am I on now? There you go. You're back. Okay. I don't know what's happening. We've got some loud and Good. So um, I'm glad we. I'm glad I checked that out with you. And so what I'm hearing uh, is that uh, we we do come in with all the range of emotions uh, because of our genetic uh, makeup. And uh, anger, for instance, or fear, simply hasn't been activated yet <laughs> until we have a situation which does activate that in our babyhood, our childhood, or whatever. Okay. So I want to go back though. To the very, how did it start? I mean, how how did anger, fear, and hostility, and all of that start generation, generation, and generation back? Because it had it had to start somewhere, and and that's well, what's been popping up in my mind recently. Right. Well, I wasn't there for you, so I can't say. But here's here's my taste. Here's what I've been shown is that we came into the world as creators and, you know, we we found ourselves able to create results. And then when we attempted to create a result that didn't show up, you know, being being creators, we made up some stuff that wasn't true. We made up this game of, oh, this should be happening right now. What's wrong here? And we gradually over time started to intensify our generating experiences of loss, of pain, of trauma, and not knowing that we were creating it got stuck and lost in it. Mm-hmm. You know, we are free free will beings. And okay. you know, if I say I I want this I an example for me is we just we just spent some time with uh with Addie, our granddaughter. She's now three and a half and I I just have to hand it to her mom in huge, huge, you know, uh buckets full and how she's raising Addie. And Addie's about the only three and a half year old that I know that when she's not getting what she wants she's still staying connected to a space of love. She hasn't gotten into, you know, she'll let you know, well, this is what I want. And if it's not happening, she she seems to maintain that space of connectedness and love and hasn't fallen into, you know, the tantrums and, and all of that, which I'm sure she has had, hasn't had any around me, but, uh, but Krista just seems to be yeah. doing an awesome job with keeping that space clear for her. Okay. Well, I appreciate your take on that, and that makes a great deal of sense to me. Um, as creators, when we came into embodiment, I can see where we would have gone, gone a little haywire with, with that whole process. Yeah, um, it's like I want yeah. what I want when I want it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. That clears it up. I'm fine and happy, and um, I'll get off the air and let somebody else call in. Let me, let me offer yeah, let me offer a piece yeah. from the other side of that too. As I watch Krista yeah. you know, Krista, uh, my daughter came in with some, some heavy duty stuff and went through quite a bit in her uh growing up and since she's had Adeline I've just watched her move into deeper and deeper and deeper spaces of gentleness and love and to the point where um each time I say to her, I, I mean, I just have to acknowledge her for what a great mom she is, her response, and she says it with just so much sweetness and admiration and love in her voice. She says, well, Dad, it's easy when you've got the best baby in the world. And that's what she thinks of her daughter. You know, it's easy when you've got the best baby in the world. Imagine if each of us had come into a world where we had two parents who said, oh, it's so easy because I've got the best baby in the world. And, you know, that's just a sweet gift that I watched Krista give give Addie and Addie, you know, bringing forward and living in. It's just pretty sweet. That's pretty right. Cool. And, and she's creating it that's with her, her mind 
um, energy about that. That's wonderful. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, oh, good to hear. And it's hard to believe you're three and a half already. Holy cow. Three and a half. Yeah, wow. time flies when you're having fun. Yeah, that's a great age. Well, thank you, Michael, um, and uh, I'll see you soon, um, yeah. I guess. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Welcome back. Thank you. Okay, thanks. I'll, I'll listen now. Bye-bye. Okay. 646-200-4169 is our calling number. If you're on one of those stations that we can't access from our control panel, if you pick up the phone and call that number and then push 1, you'll be on the phone with us. When you push 1, that'll raise a little hand in the control panel, and Jeannie will know that you want to talk to us. And we'd love to hear your sweet and voice. Jeannie? We actually, yes. Uh, first of all, uh, there was... Uh, a comment in the chat room, and I think maybe this has been discussed, and I wasn't here, so, but um, there's some energy around, you know, how they uh, go around in different areas and they spray pesticides and stuff like that, and this person was growing an organic garden, and yet now it's been sprayed with pesticides, and, and Ouch. you know, how, and there's nothing you can do about that. They're flying by and spraying and stuff. And so it's it's not just about, you know, Michelle had sent them some information about, you know, uh, taking care of pesticides that have been put on food. You know, we owe our food. You can get a little O machine, and uh, we do that. You know, we try to, to, we attempt to get organic food when we can, but, you know, a lot of things like what you're talking about is out of our control. And so the big issue, though, is it sounds like she's, got a lot of emotions that's been going ongoing for several days and how she can address that and look at that. Well, it sounds like the primary emotion is anger, and I'd offer that anger will do a whole lot more damage to your body than pesticides ever will, and that, that uh, energy and its impact can be pretty immediate, so I'd invite you to do some forgiveness work around it. That doesn't mean just put up with somebody coming by, you know, and spraying, but it does mean that you take you take charge of what's in your own structure, and if it's unlike love, you bring healing to it, and then you speak uh, to those issues in the world that you need to speak to from a space of love, and you you know you address those issues from a connected loving space, and and here's what I know when I when I build a perception based in hostility or fear, I'm literally with an energy moving inside of me of hostility or fear, making pictures that I paint on the inside of my eyeballs that make the world look a certain way. And the way that I think the world looks is the way that I am because that's what I'm feeling. And so when I build a perception based in hostility or fear, as a result of that energy that's moving in me, I'm spraying that hostility or fear on them. I'm spraying the pesticide of hostility or fear on them. And, you know, most people aren't very happy when you spray them with those acidic energies. When I'm willing to do my work and heal my hostility or fear, firmly, gently, and truly, honestly tell the truth about what's going on and take responsibility for staying connected to love, then I get to heal that part of my mind. If I find myself having one of my infantile goals being frustrated. You know, I want you to do what I want. I want you to hear me, and I want you to do what I want you to do, and I'm willing to go into a rage. And, you know, you just watch the average person in, you know, 10 seconds of you're not going to do what they want you to do, and they can just be in a fish-shaking rage. And it's the forgiveness process that dissolves that kind of energy within oneself and frees us of the pattern. And that's the whole purpose of the reality management worksheet. And when people really begin to go after that, what happens is the intensity of their experience increases immeasurably. Intensity increases. Most people go out and drug themselves. Most people distract themselves. Most people just let it go and forget it. Well, yes, I made a commitment to do that, but what I'd rather do is go have a scotch. What I'd rather do is go watch a, you know, a hockey game. What I'd rather do is, you know, give me give me some more of that caffeine. 
what I'd rather do is go make money. What I'd rather do is get busy on anything other than doing my work. Well, yes, I did create a space to do my work, but why would I bother doing that when I can go distract myself with something else? Oh, you say you've got some ser- serious healing you want to do, but you keep distracting yourself? Then quit whatever else you're doing. Quit, 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 stop it. Stop it. I had three businesses and 60 employees when I first started doing this work. And I re- when I realized the importance of my process through guidance, I got up one morning and locked the doors and walked away. Lock the doors and walk away if your process work is important. Now, if it's not, if you're happy to keep the conflict going in the family system, you know, the separation from the parent or the son or the daughter or the wife, or if you're happy to keep doing that, you know, go for it. Keep doing it. But if you'd really like to make a change, here's what has to happen. You've got to st- stop making it up in a way that justifies you keep keeping doing what you've always done and do it differently. You've actually, you've actually got to do it differently. And when people start to open that Pandora's box, you know, the the Greeks had that message for us, don't open Pandora's box, you never know what you're going to find in there. But what they didn't tell us is, if you never open Pandora's box, your whole life becomes Pandora's box. And when most people start to open that, they turn tail and get busy doing something else. The slightest excuse will do. Well, I'm committed to doing this, but, oh, well, I think I'll go do that instead. Oh, well, now I'm too busy doing that. Why would I do this? Well, okay, but just notice how true you are to your word and how you can tell yourself lies and make it up in a way to justify you doing something other than what you say you're committed to. Commitment means no matter what anybody else does. Oh, you say you're not doing it because of what Charlie did? Excuse me, that's a lie. Actually, excuse you're not doing it because you aren't committed. You told yourself a story. You told me a story. And then you went on and did what you always do. Take care of yourself. Instead of doing Michael? what you committed to doing. Yes, sweetie? Okay. Well, we, we've got two callers that just popped in, but we're down to two minutes. But I did get a text. Um, just And you, Mike can answer this one real quickly. Uh, you had spoke to a caller the other day about sending love to Bigfoot and whatever and they have been here to Heartland before and we kill brown recluses and so they're like that seems to be a contradiction of you know sending love to one beast that could be harmful and then killing another one so can you address why we kill brown recluses yes absolutely this this space you know we we inform the critters in the woods, you know, we're out in the boonies and we inform those critters that we're glad to be sharing this space with them. We're happy to share with them. And there are certain critters that need to be in their own space. This space is now for humans primarily. And a brown recluse spider is a pretty vicious bite that can be very damaging. And so if we find brown recluses who've decided to stay after the conversation is time for them to leave, we dispatch them. Because a bite from those spiders can be extremely damaging. Now, if I had Bigfoot coming around and, you know, chewing on people's legs, I'd probably do something other than hold a space of love for them. I would lovingly dispatch them, perhaps. But but in the meantime, you know, those those critters need to be able to listen and be in their own space as we are in ours. And, you know, uh, otherwise, the wildlife that's here, we support it, we take care of it, and uh, we honor it because it was airspace first. So that would be my take for that one in my offering. And we are down to a few seconds, so if that's uh, not a satisfactory answer, I'd be delighted to open the space. And remember that the holding the space of love isn't for Bigfoot, it's for healing yourself. It's about if I have fear about something, I want to heal that fear in me. It's not about Bigfoot or anything or anybody else or the spiders or anything else. So we appreciate you being here. Bring us dreams to the show tomorrow. Blessings. Bye-bye.
thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice and his wife Jeannie, who present the internal Aramaic process of forgiveness. Michael and Jeannie are here every Monday through Friday on Earth Angels Radio. For more on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.yagain.com. That's www.whyagain.com. Evolving continuously.